there is expected to be 1.7 million children who are being exploited in the sex trade around the world. Introducing The Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Carroll, International Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon, our international president. Mark, how are you doing today? Oh, Mike, I'm doing great. And I want to wish everybody a happy new year. It's 2024. And I want to thank our audience. This is our third year of the podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll be hitting number 100 soon. So uh, we appreciate it. And uh, how are things going with you, Mike? Mark, everything is going great. I'm looking forward to 2024. We have a lot of great speakers lined up already for 2024. So I'm uh, I'm excited. I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, all frauds and scams that are targeting our citizens. And uh, we're going to have a lot of great speakers this year again. So in fact, today we have another outstanding speaker. Did you want to introduce her? I certainly would love to. You know, and this is a difficult topic. I know it's uh, beginning of January, but January is also Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Our next guest is the founder of Regeneration Enterprises, a 501c3 nonprofit located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Regeneration Enterprises provides workforce development and life skill training for survivors of human trafficking and acute trauma. She is a licensed attorney and graduate of Notre Dame Law School. She has a heart for serving others and is dedicated to the regeneration of lives through meaningful work and service to others. Mike and I would like to welcome to the show, Shauna Brennan. Well, hi, Mike and Mark. Thank you so much for having me to discuss this really important topic today and right at the launch of Human Trafficking Awareness Month. It's very timely. Thank you for having me. Sean, I just wanted to start out, you know, we know that human trafficking, just what you see on the news, is a huge problem. Can you tell our listeners what you believe is the scope of this problem, not only when you're situated in Vegas, but throughout the world? Yes, absolutely. I think that there's two considerations for human trafficking. One is the labor trafficking and exploitation of persons for below a living wage or for no wages. Um, which we would essentially call slavery. The other aspect is the sex trade. And both of these aspects include adults and children, men and women, boys and girls. So to our subject, which is the sex trafficking, there is expected to be 1.7 million children who are being exploited in the sex trade around the world. And so that gives you an idea of the scope And this is not just something in other countries. This is something that is also prevalent in the United States. Yeah, Shauna, that number is huge. And, and, you know, I was uh, I was reading uh, in preparation for this is that there's an estimated 27.6 million victims worldwide that are being trafficked, whether it's labor or sex traffic. And, you know, just thinking about that, you know, I think the population of Texas alone is 29 million. So just imagine the entire state of Texas, pretty much everybody in that state is a trafficking victim. I mean, it's horrible. Well, and also I think it's a monetary issue. 
Um, they're estimating $150 billion a year is generated from human trafficking. Wow. So this insidious mm-hmm. problem is really driving a lot of revenue. So we have to be able to prioritize human beings over money. So, Shauna, we've had a lot of subject matter experts come on the podcast previously about human trafficking. We'd love to get your opinion as to um, how these victims are targeted. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, Unfortunately, with the pretty woman idea, people think that it's something voluntary. And that's really the exception. I would say um, maybe 5 to 10% of people in the sex trade Uh, men and women, are there voluntarily. And generally, if you dig deeper, they did have some type of inappropriate sexual contact as children. They were usually molested. So we find that almost every person who is human trafficked or in the sex trade was originally molested. Most of them, over 65%, are coming from foster care systems in the United States. It's a very insidious problem. In other countries, Um, Very often it is a family member who will sell, um, usually a girl, into a brothel, and that's for monetary gain for the family. And so it varies depending on the jurisdiction, how the person got into it. We do find that there's a pretty high incident of literally abduction, like the movie Taken. That is a real scenario. And um, they can turn a, a high school honor student to be a sex worker on the street in less than 72 hours. And the way that they do that is by drugging them, um, gang raping them, filming that and threatening their families and threatening to publish the, you know, the film. So the people are intimidated and drugged into the sex trade and the minor, the age of the person is just based on the demand of the area. So, you know, that's going to be a factor of the, demand. Shauna, how do victims escape uh, the life of exploitation and, and what are some of the actions that need to happen? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think there's several points of contact with people who are in the life of exploitation. One is they might be arrested related to either a solicitation, sex trade, some kind of related violence. And so that's a great place to get the message to them that there's another life that they can have. So there are a lot of good prison outreaches to let them know. And I think it's worthwhile for law enforcement to look at increasing those efforts of the messaging. And then another way is that there's contact made with these people if they're in a public place, like at a strip club or uh, working a segment as a prostitute, then there are outreach programs to try to get them the message. There's a problem with that, though, because generally their pimp is nearby and will be violent, um, either harm them or harm the people bringing them the message. So the other is for them to escape or be rescued. So there are several organizations that facilitate those rescues and offer them the opportunity. One of the big problems that we see is that the pimps like, especially in the U.S., they like for the ladies to have at least one child, and then they hold the child back as a threat for them to come back. Wow. And so this is a problem. So if someone is in a rescue, then they need to be accounting for that, that there is a child and the woman's going to want the child. 
And so it's a bit of a coordinated effort. And Shauna, years ago, I listened to another speaker, Tamia Nagy, and uh, just met her recently in New York um, at a conference. And I want to go back to what you said about um, breaking sort of the human spirit within 72 hours. And she talked a lot about that. She was a victim, a survivor. And she talked about, you know, how much physical violence, how much threats are going on, and, and why is it that they're able to break the spirit so quickly with these victims? Well, I would suggest that the people were innocent. And so you have someone who is not tough and experienced in life. And so the innocent are rather easy to exploit like a child. And so they have generally been educated to be loving and obedient and to have modesty. So something like being um, gang raped on film and then told that that's going to be sent to your family and friends. Well, that's humiliating just on its own. But imagine if they're drugging you, pumping you up with heroin. Now you're actually an addict in less than three days. Now you need another fix. So it's a very insidious cycle, um, but it is you know very psychological and also physical. And do you find that similar patterns, let's say, of a person that is suffering from PTSD? Uh, are these victims of trafficking suffering the same type of trauma uh, as somebody maybe that's in the military or uh, a police officer was involved in a shooting? I mean, it, it seems like what their experience is, is completely horrific. Absolutely. There's something about that experience of trauma and the, the fight and flight and the mind and spirit attempting to survive this hostile situation. I would distinguish in this kind of trauma, though, from our law enforcement and other trained um, professionals, because they are coming from a position of strength and they've had some training. Their trauma is very real, and, um, it, but it would be a different type. So your victimization trauma, of which they are all, you know, a trauma victim without exception, um, that would be a different type. And so, therefore, the healing processes would be different. Shauna, can I ask you about your organization, Regeneration Enterprises? How does your organization uh, help survivors? And my other question would be for our listeners is, what are the type of challenges that face survivors after they come out of that life? Well, by way of background, when I was uh, becoming involved in this area about 14 years ago, and I became involved in the organizations that were serving women in human trafficking and coming out both awareness, uh, women in the life and, and men, and then those who came out of the life, I recognized that there was a gap in the continuation of care after the rescue period. So the studies have shown three to five years continuation of care to reduce recidivism. And so I focused on that. That area is called phase two because it is after the first year of recovery. Um, those are usually residential programs with medical care and so forth. So by the time we meet the ladies in their, and the gentlemen in their recovery program, now we're talking to them about a path to meaningful employment, how they can receive independence through financial accomplishments. And so we assess 
what are their skills, what are their gaps, and we and legal documents. How about that? Can't get a job without Social Security card, um, some kind of legal documentation to be here, birth certificate, so forth. So we started uh, kind of the wraparound continuation of care, and um, we offer, for example, computer literacy. Because let's take a warehouse job, great for survivors because you can make, say, $25 an hour with Amazon. That's a great living wage, but you have to be computer literate. Even the warehouse jobs now are keyboarding, right? So we work with them to learn those skills, and then we work with the employers to create that path to employment, make sure they have secure housing, they have clothing, everything they need for um, workforce uh, readiness. And then we also provide life skills training, such as financial literacy. Shauna, you bring up an excellent point. You know, a lot of these individuals that are trafficked, whether they're children or young adults, they may have very little work experience. And then is there discrimination, you know, going on where, you know, they look at somebody, maybe they've been arrested for prostitution or maybe they developed a drug addiction because of what they went through? And, and how hard is it? And I'm so happy that your organization is helping them teach them life skills and then also getting an opportunity to get into the workforce. It must be challenging for these victims. Yes, that's a very good point. It's challenging, I think, because of the stigma, because if people find out that they had any kind of um, sexual exploitation or sex trade, then they really do look at them differently, and then they tend to be re-victimized. So you hate to think that that happens, uh, but it's common in the workplace that someone would say, I'm not going to give you your paycheck till you give me a sexual favor for free. So this this does happen, and... Um, as part of their recovery, they're encouraged to, in a healthy environment, tell their stories, but obviously they can't always do so. I mean, we're just in an environment where everyone cannot be trusted. But I think the bigger issue is the criminal records. If they are misdemeanors and solicitation-oriented, we can get them cleared. But many times they're compounded with other felonies, for example, battery or drug charges, some of this is gang-related. We find that a lot of the gangs are selling women instead of selling drugs because then they, the women come back, first off, it's repeating inventory, and then their charges aren't as, if they're caught, as the pimp, very little enforcement against them compared to if it was drugs. So we're seeing a change in the makeup of that organized crime. So one typical example is a woman who... Um, at 18, had solicitation charges, but also gang-related charges and drug-related charges, none of which were her doing. It's just because it was a gang operation. So we were not going to be able to get those charges removed. So to your point, um, there are some limitations. There will not be jobs they'll be able to do because of that record. And so we're sensitive to that, and we like to set them up for success. So we encourage them to go into areas that are not going to be conflicted by the criminal record if we can't clear it. Sean, I wanted to ask if a victim of human trafficking wants to get out of that life, how do they reach out to you? Is that something that like local law enforcement would know about your organization? They, they can refer them to you, but how would they reach out to you? Yeah, excellent. We do have a nationwide hotline 
And um, we can post that number on your site. I will say the number now if someone wants to jot it down, 888-373-7888. That is a nationally unified hotline. And also the Metro State Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department does have a special task force. They are responsive. If it's a minor, if it's an adult, if whatever the situation, they have the right team in place. Immediately, someone is assigned a caseworker, and the caseworker will place them in a residential program suitable to them. So there are many here, including Salvation Army Seeds of Hope is, in fact, the largest housing provider for the phase one rescue right off the street. And um, so those resources are available. We are phase two, so they're already coming out of their housing. We don't get involved in the immediate rescue. But those resources are available. And then we meet the women and men in these facilities. So they're already out of the life. That's their pathway to us. And for our audience, if you guys are driving or doing something right now, we'll make sure that we put that phone number uh, in our show notes. So, Sean, I want to ask you a question here is that, you know, a lot of times maybe it's not law enforcement that has the contact with the victim. Maybe it's a, a hospital. Maybe it's a store clerk. Maybe it's, a, you know, someone else uh, other than law enforcement. Uh, what are some of the signs and things that the community should be looking for, you know, to potentially spot a person that's being trafficked? I think that that is a great observation because our first contact usually with a victim is a hospital or a social worker or a school. So those responders can take action. What they're going to see is an adult who doesn't seem consistent with the minor or with the the woman. And so they're controlling them. They're not allowing them to speak for themselves. They're speaking for them. They will not leave their side. It's kind of an unnatural, unhealthy interaction. Usually the victim will not make any eye contact, will not answer for themselves. There is very often some physical abuse that's happened. So we recommend that the, uh, there is specific training. So if the organizations can offer training that would be helpful. And the training we offer is actually through Homeland Security. So those are things to look for. And then um, what they have to do is to separate out that adult figure and interview the person separately. So the exploiter must be removed. And so this is one of the first things to try maybe bring in a chaplain or someone to bring out as a sympathizer to have the person to speak. So this is where the the critical contact is happening because many times they don't realize that they're being exploited. We see this with um, Mm. foreign nationals who expected to be in the sex trade at 12 years old. (laughs) And so they don't realize that that doesn't happen in the United States and that they don't have to have sex uh, with people, strangers, and that they can go to school and have a future. So this is an insidious problem, and those first responders are important. And then who they can contact is every city has a rape crisis center. Those are trained caseworkers who will come and respond. Also, again, most police departments, most, say, Salvation Army, other organizations have a special division Um, Of course, your placement through Child Protective Services, they should be qualified to respond. So let's say you, you were the nurse and you see this 
But more likely, honestly, it's the person at 7-Eleven, it's the nail tech, and it's the drive-through coffee shop. And when I drive through, I ask them, I said, if someone was in my car being held against their will and you observed it, would you know what to do? <laughs> and they're mm, like, no. Right. So, yeah, and these are your points of contact. And I said, well, call Metro, take a picture of the license plate, describe what you saw. And remember what you saw, write it down right away. We have phones, take pictures. Uh, that's great advice. And so that may save a life. Yeah, that that Absolutely. that is great advice mm-hmm. where, you know, we see something, say something. You know, I go back to that slogan, but it applies here in human trafficking as well. Hey, Shauna, can I ask you, you mentioned this in pre-interview. There are those that come from a country that the lifestyle, I mean, is, is terrible. And... They come to this country and involved in human trafficking that I'm not saying voluntarily involved, but it might be better than where they came from and how they were living at their old country. Is there a percentage of those involved in human trafficking that are there because it just it's just better than where they came from? I don't know the percentage. Part of the problem is it's that subculture, so it's not caught or recorded. What I do know is we catch them in peripheral services. So we have a maternity home here in Henderson, Nevada, and they had a 14-year-old pregnant girl, and she was Nicaraguan. They're trying to find out how she got pregnant. (laughs) And it turns out she's living, you know, with her uncle, not really her uncle, 20 other children in the house, and they're all either workforce labor or they are sex trade workers. And that was their life. That's what they knew. Mm. Um, None of them were blood relatives. And it was an atrocity because this uncle was actually paid through the foster care system for all 20 relatives, allegedly. And then um, all of those kids were working and making them money. It was just the worst scenario. And this young woman didn't realize she was being exploited. So, you know, they got her into the proper care. She kept her child, raised her child, came back a few years later and said, well, thank you. She wasn't aware she was being exploited. Now she's in college. She's raising her child. So this is an example. In that case, the neighbors, people would see something. And really, honestly, we have to stop the demand. People have got to stop using under minimum wage workers, you have to stop doing it. You have to stop paying for sex. I'm sorry, but the demand has got to be stopped. Shauna, what I found very interesting, too, is that most victims are aware that they're victims in almost any other crime. Uh, but in this case, a lot of the victims don't realize it. And you pointed out one excellent example there with the girl from Nicaragua. But why is it that so many don't realize it uh, right off the bat that they're victims? I would say another common one in this um, sex trafficking is the Romeo pimp. So someone starts by grooming a young girl or boy. I'm usually targeting someone who is a little bit of an outcast or outsider. They offer them a lot of affection and attention at a vulnerable age when, of course, everybody needed that. And buy them lavish gifts and um, give them experiences. You know, let's go to a fancy dinner. Let's dress up. Who doesn't want to do that, honestly? And um, they may be from a good family or they may be a broken home, but we find that these young people are responsive to that. Then once they have the emotional 
attachment, then the pimp says, well, you love me, then we're going to have a a party tonight. And at this party, you're going to take care of my friends. Mm -hmm. And then they start like that. I don't know that they realize that there's money transaction. They're now already sexually active with their, with their Romeo pimp. And they think it's their boyfriend. They always call it their boyfriend. And then now there's other, but it's just for fun. It's fun. Maybe we're drunk. Maybe it's just because I asked you to. And then, and it's not really forced, um, but it, it's um, enticed upon them. So that's one example. Sean, I, I want to turn our attention to public awareness here and, and the importance of that. And uh, uh, over the summer, I saw probably one of the most incredible movies, heartfelt movies uh, I've seen in my lifetime, and that's The Sound of Freedom. Uh, and it uh, recently came out on streaming. So if anybody in our audience hasn't seen it yet, please, uh, it really addresses the issue of global human trafficking. But what more can be done to bring awareness? Uh, what can we do in our everyday lives, during our work days? What can we do to bring more awareness so we could eradicate human trafficking? Yeah, I really appreciate your mentioning that because the conversation is being elevated. And I think having an understanding that this insipid conduct is happening is very important because If you shine the light on the conduct, then it will stop. I mean, we see success in other countries where they have a campaign against, say, uh, sex for money. If that campaign is against sex for money, then there's a reduction in sex for money. It's very interesting. So Sweden, for example, um, had a campaign that said that only a pervert would pay for sex. Okay, now you got to love this because if you've ever been to Sweden, you understand it's, it's what they call an amoral country. You're going to have sex with anything but a child and an animal. Really, they don't care. They don't care. And so for them to say that paying money for sex makes you a pervert was big. That was a big one because they stigmatized commercial sexualization. That is awesome. So part of it is changing the mindset. We have to change the mindset. You don't pay for sex. You don't have sex unless it's consensual. Yeah, and you know, and I, it also brings up a great point where I don't think people think this occurs here in the United States. You know, they hear about it in other countries, but it is here. It's in every one of our communities. And uh, I think the more we, like I said, shine the light on it, the better chances we have of freeing uh, many of these victims, uh, putting those that are the traffickers behind bars, and, and hopefully reducing this uh, horrific crime. Well, I might add that it also is prevalent at professional sports, unfortunately. Mm. And that might be something similar to the old Vegas motto, um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Look, that's just not true. Whatever you do as a human being is staying with you and affecting someone else. So I would like to point out that there's a lot of effort around major sporting events. We will be having the Super Bowl here in a few weeks in Las Vegas. Mm. And so one example of efforts is an organization called Free International, and they target missing and exploited children every year at the Super Bowl about five days before and five days after in Las Vegas. It'll be more so this year because the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. And they have a very high recovery. They have the pamphlet with the missing exploited children. They work with Metro. They train their teams. They go out, and they recover these children. 
And the parents come into town because they believe that their children were in the Las Vegas area. And so it's a very wraparound holistic approach to rescuing these children. So efforts like this are important, but being aware if you're going, I mean, enjoy your sporting event, have fun, but you really have to be a firm fan that part of the fun is not taking advantage of other people. Absolutely. Well, Shauna, Regeneration Enterprises is very important too. You know, where can we and our listeners go to help Regeneration Enterprises? Yeah, thank you so much. You know, one of the interesting things for me, we're three years old now, and um, really I had little idea that a nonprofit is so much like a business, right? And uh, I had served on nonprofit boards, but I didn't really appreciate it. So one of the ways that we could use help, of course, is donations. Everything is tax deductible, but also we just need a lot of support. We have volunteer opportunities, including tech support, marketing, social media. We'd love to have a couple of influencers talking about this topic. And so we just invite that. Our, we can be reached at regenerationnonprofit.org. And our phone number will also be listed on the notes. So there's a lot of different ways that they can reach us. I can give you the phone number now as well, 702-202-5840. And we would love to take this model to other cities. So if someone would like to start a program in their city, you know, we're very open sourcing. We share everything. Another way to get involved is to participate in the Blue Campaign, which is sponsored by the Department of Homeland Security. And that is a day when we all wear blue. And another thing is reputation management. The ladies have had a lot of bad credit. Again, they have a criminal record that will show up on Google searches. And generally, we do find that in the more organized pimps do go to a lot of effort to ruin their credit and to ruin their reputation so they cannot survive without them outside of that exploitation. And so we could really use a lot of help with reputation management so that these ladies can rebuild their identity. And they generally have had a name change, uh, but there's no history. So that would be another way that your listeners could help us. Yeah, Sean, I wanted to follow up on that, mentioning looking for volunteers. Is there any type of qualifications you would need from volunteers? Um, Maybe something related to interviewing and things like that. So our volunteers are really several categories. One, deal directly with the survivors, and they are required to have a criminal background check and to undergo training before they can interact with the survivor. That's for the protection of the survivor and for themselves. We have certain protocols. Then we have just a lot of volunteers that never contact with the survivor. And so those are more of the back office, the forward facing, like the marketing. And so there's plenty to do. For the dealing directly with the survivors, we do need um, some computer professors that can help us with the computer literacy program. Most of that is virtual and online so that they are able to participate at their own pace. So then we would put the person through our training 
and then run their background check, and then they would be in direct contact as needed with the survivor. And then another, say we have financial mentors, we have people who are hands-on, take them to get uh, their clothing fitting from Dress for Success. We collaborate with other nonprofits. Uh, We find, though, that um, they need a lot of hands-on assistance because they didn't have any independence generally. So they have to relearn those steps to be able to do things for themselves. Well, Shauna, I want to, you know what, we talk about shining a light in the darkness and you are that light for what you're doing with Regeneration Enterprises. Uh, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing, your mission is, and sharing this information with our audience today. So uh, we hope to get you back when you're uh, free again and really continue on this conversation that hopefully we can eradicate this problem here in the United States and globally. So thank you again. Hey, Sean, I just want to mention our podcast is uh, IFCI Presents the Protectors, and you are also a protector. You're a protector of those that are victims of these heinous crimes, and uh, we thank you for what you do. My pleasure, and thank you again for the opportunity, and I know that we can really change some lives together. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, I want to thank our audience once again for tuning in. Happy 2024. We hope this year is great. And again, we thank you for what you're doing and spread the word. You guys are our warriors. You're the people on the front line that could get this information out to other people. And Mike, where can we be found? You can find us on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Stitcher, wherever wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. That's right. And we also go to our uh, protectorspodcast.com. And if you want to send us an email, you could send it to IAFCI, protectorspodcast at gmail.com. So, Mike, uh, great, great episode. We hope this gets around the world uh, several different times and for what uh, Shauna and her organization is doing. So with that, I'm going to sign off. I'm Mark Solomon from Connecticut. And this is Mike Carroll from Chicago. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.